Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries and the Agency of the United Methodist Church, located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Executive Director of Worship Resources and Director of Music Ministries. During this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. So today we're going to have a conversation with a person who is no stranger to any of us, the Reverend Dr. Cynthia Wilson. Most recently, Dr. Wilson served as Executive Director of Worship Resources and Director of Liturgical Resources at our United Methodist Agency Discipleship Ministries, supervising and guiding the staff in the process of developing resources and training events with a primary focus on music, liturgy, and preaching. Now, prior to joining the staff of Discipleship Ministries, she served as an Assistant Vice President of Student Life and Dean of Students at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. She is a Grammy-nominated vocalist and has performed around the world as well as at Carnegie Hall. She is a graduate of Dillard University with a Bachelor of Music Education and received a Master's in Sacred Music from Perkins School of Theology at SMU and a Ph.D. in Liturgical Studies from Garrett Evangelical Seminary at Evanston. Dr. Wilson is a founder and director of the Junius B. Dotson Institute for Music and Worship in the Black Church and Beyond, a -a one-of-a-kind global institute that provides training in sacred music of the Black Church and beyond for musicians and worship leaders. She is an ordained deacon under Extension Ministry Appointment in the Great Plains Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Cynthia, you completed your work at Discipleship Ministries on March 31st of this year, almost a month ago. So tell us how you've been doing and what your daily routine is like. What's changed? Uh, everything has changed. That should be a song, right? <laughs> I I miss you all so much. We it, miss you too. I, I can't believe that it's been, um, I guess, almost a month Yeah. Uh, that I've transitioned from Discipleship Ministries into the uh, Institute for Music and Worship, named for our former General Secretary, Reverend Junius B. Dotson, who passed away almost, well, more than a year ago. Um, and we miss him immensely, but he yes. he has given so much to the United Methodist Church, an incredible leader uh, throughout these last five years. I, I think uh, he, he actually served the church six years. Is that Junius chiming in? <laughs> that that might have been a message from heaven, melodies from heaven, right? <laughs> but but it it's been um, amazing to to think about the time that he spent as the general secretary for discipleship ministries and mm. and um and the and the work that he did on the general church level in uh, helping us to think about. 
uh, how the church will move forward from this point on as we figure things out around particularly uh, the concept of um, making sure that we see all the people. Yes, yes. And so so the um, the Institute, of course, is named for Reverend Dotson. And um, so I have been sort of uh, ringing the bell for this new idea, which is not really a new idea. Um, the, the concept actually has been a part of, of my journey, um, Derek and, and Diana, for uh, at least four decades. Hmm. Every, every local church that I've served, uh, I've been able to leave a morsel of this concept within their worship and music departments. So I've just kind of been uh, making visits and uh, talking to people and telling the story of what this all means in the life of this United Methodist Church. I can't um, I can't go on with this conversation without mentioning how blessed the Institute is to have received a gift, a grant from uh, our agency, from Discipleship <laughs> Ministries. Uh, this significant grant is allowing uh, this institute to move forward. They've actually funded it for four years. Uh, so this gives us an opportunity uh, to not only get it off the ground, but to really begin to groom the next wave of leaders uh, I actually, I need to say, I actually physically retired from discipleship ministries. Yes. So I, I always. And that was my opening question is like, has anything changed since <laughs> yeah, you right. retired? And I'm doing air quotes here uh, <laughs> from discipleship ministries. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I retired. And so obviously I have flunked retirement. And uh, <laughs> March, like you said, March 31st. I ended my time at DM, and April 1st, I began my time as the director for the center. So <laughs> what have I been doing? I've been, uh, I have been transitioning and figuring out what, when retirement might actually happen. But in the meantime... <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Jim Sally from Africa University yeah. who mentioned that our service for you at the end was both a retirement and an installation. He found that amazing right. that you went from one to the other. He still says to me, who does that? That's right. <laughs> who does that? So before before we leave your your time at Disruption Ministries, tell us a little bit about how the seeds were planted. You talked about seeds in the churches, and I know you did some here at Discipleship Ministries, but... But what do those seeds consist of? Right. You know, what were you leaving behind or what were you drawing people's attention to right. that then led you into this new position and new institute? Well, thank, thank you for that question, because I really fondly remember every place that I have been granted um, the privilege to serve. Um, but I've always felt that it's important as people are serving in the local church as volunteers, some not paid volunteers and some paid volunteers, that they really um, deserve opportunities 
for strengthening and uh, broadening uh, their, their grasp of whatever it is that they have selected to do as leaders and particularly lay leaders in the church, in the local church. And so I always made it a point to create learning experiences. I'll use an example, the choir, because uh, that was probably the largest uh, cohort within the local church. And every year uh, I made sure that every choir member participated in what we called a, a roundup. I am a firm believer that we ought to give people an opportunity uh, to make a decision about whether they ought to keep on doing what they're doing or whether they want to move on to something different. But whatever it is that they are, wherever they're serving in the local church, there ought to be opportunities for training and for really sharpening the skills. Uh, And so with choirs, we made sure that there were opportunities for vocal technique. Um, Most importantly for me, it was important that choir members understood the biblical and theological significance of what they do as minstrels, as Levitical ministers, and, uh, and, and help them understand that just as pastors have to prepare uh, for ministry, they, as, just as pastors have to pray uh, before they do what they do, just as, as pastors have to make sure that their bodies are presented as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is their reasonable service. Uh, and whenever people came to me to say, I want to be a part of the choir, my first question to them was always, tell me about your call. If they couldn't do that, then in the teaching time, whatever whatever we did in terms of workshop seminars, we would always visit that word call. What does it mean mm-hmm. to be called to do whatever it is that you're doing? So that's just one example. Of course, that was the case with liturgical dancers, with ushers. Even with folk who did parking lot ministry, mm-hmm. the spirit of hospitality, you know, the spirit of koinonia. If you don't like people, you probably ought not be uh, standing at the door as an usher, right? <laughs> so, Amen. so those Amen. were the kinds of teachings that I, I tried to provide and brought in uh, other, other strong leaders within the community to help teach and to help mm-hmm. uh, prepare them for uh, strengthening their gift of service. So, so skills were important, but it wasn't just skills. No. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. Much There's bigger. The, I, I very much appreciate you talking about the theological underpinning. Why are we doing what we're doing? That's right. When, when I talk to preachers, you know, they always want to come to a preaching event and say, give me some tips, give me some tricks right. that I can do. And I say, no, no, we've got to unpack that's it. We've right. got to go a little bigger than that's that. Right. So that's what you're talking about. That's too. right. That's right. And, and, the, and this institute is really um, helping to provide that same kind of training and, and mentoring uh, in, in areas of contextual worship uh, in, in sacred musics. Uh, but, but this institute is really focused on uh, the ways in which uh, these, these various kinds of tra- uh, experiences in worship and music are born out of the Black church tradition. Uh, so we start there. We just give homage to uh, the global ethos of Africana worship and Africana musics. But but the the title of the institute uh, is is not only named for 
Reverend Dotson, but we are calling it an Institute of Music and Worship in the Black Church and beyond. Those last two words are near Mm. and dear to my heart. Uh, I really feel that it's so important that folks not just see Black church and think that this is only for Black people. Mm-hmm. Because of the, because of, you know, Diana, the reason that my, my bio is as long as it is, as, as it is, is that uh, I've been really blessed to travel the world doing these, this kind of uh, musical and worship experience. And I have learned how uh, peoples all over the world have appreciated the legacy and the histories of um, music and worship that comes out of this tradition. Uh, and so so also with this institute, we're hoping to create uh, some kind of archive of music uh, and, and some scholarship that can help preserve this rich history and legacy, not just for the Black church, but for the world. Yeah. Uh, I I think often of myself in going through a seminary, uh, doing my first seminary experience at Perkins School of Theology, and then um, doing doing my second experience at Garrett uh, Theological Seminary. Um, I I really have um, appreciated the opportunity to uh, go into archives and histories and libraries and really learn of other kinds of experiences. Uh, you you know, of course, that in the Africana history ethos, our, our histories are mostly oral. Uh, so I, I really want us to create some written pieces that help those who are coming behind understand this history, appreciate it, and then apply some of the richness to the things that they're doing for this new space and time. So, Cynthia, tell us, you know, the word institute sort of means a place. Mm-hmm. So does this institute have a place? Is it um, every in every place? Explain to us your vision of this institute. This institute is happening in every place where there is worship and music. Wow. <laughs> so the, 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 it, it is not a place, but it's every place so that we can continue the concept of seeing all the people, right? Um, so mm-hmm. so we, we really are not understanding ourselves as being uh, in just one spot, not even just in the continental U.S., but we're hoping to go across the waters. As a matter of fact, um, Derek mentioned the name uh, Dr. James Sally, uh, who sits as uh, at the helm of the U.S. base for Africa University, which is actually located in Zimbabwe. Um, but he said in my um, my my retirement celebration that uh, he was hoping that I would consider. Um, making sure that some semblance of this institute makes its way over to Zimbabwe with the yeah. students there at Africa University. We certainly plan to do that. So are there um, events coming up? What can you tell us what you have planned for this? What's your vision for this next year? It's so funny you would ask me that. I am just excited about the launch, the official launch 
for the Institute, which will happen in August uh, the 18th through the 20th uh, of August in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, we are bringing uh, into this experience uh, leaders, church leaders, local church leaders, pastors, uh, choral directors, organists, dancers, um, folk who do sound and light. All of those pieces uh, really require, I think, periodic updates in terms of what we, how we do what we do, what the, what the most recent technologies are. And we want to be sure that we can speak to uh, this whole idea of virtual worship. So, mm. so the conversations will be rich and uh, varied. Uh, so there will be classes, um, but we will end that experience with a concert and it will feature, ta-da, Richard Smallwood and Vision. <laughs> what? Wow. Yes. And then we'll put together a mass choir from across the United States, um, and we 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 just believe that it'll be uh, what my daddy used to call a wang dang doodle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm writing that down. I'm gonna. So so going back to that's be on the promo. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and we'll have to translate it into Korean and Shona. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> But 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 we're hoping that um, folks listening will consider joining us for the the official launch, uh, and and going back to the idea of uh, the and beyond for the institute, we are actually uh, going to be holding the concert at an AME church there in Atlanta, which is one of the largest uh, local churches in the area. Uh, but it's a good example of how we understand ourselves uh, to demonstrate Ubuntu, uh, the idea of we are because you are, you are because I am. And um, and, and to say uh, unequivocally that the Institute really moves beyond the United Methodist Church and that the United Methodist Church is committed to their siblings beyond its own self. So, so beyond includes denomination, includes ethnicity, includes nationality. You know, it's really a kingdom vision. Yes, it is. Of what the church and what worship can be and, yes. and is on occasion, on rare occasions. So, absolutely, Derek. Absolutely. So, so there, there are four, um, four basic principles that um, that we consider to uh, stand as purpose and mission for the Institute. Um, of course, the first, again, to, to provide ongoing training and mentoring in uh, local churches, uh, and that, that, be, that we be intentional about this training being contextual, right? Um, but that the basis of these teachings initially uh, will, be, will be born out of uh, the Black church traditions. And then, of course, we want to be able to enrich, to revitalize, to strengthen leaders of congregational worship for the 21st century. You know, I am uh, also concerned about our making sure that the um, millennials and the centennials 
uh, are able to appreciate uh, what what folk like me, a boomer, <laughs> a buster, not me, not me, a buster, but <laughs> but folks who are um, who who are from earlier generations. Um, there were there were certain things that we appreciated about worship, so, like hymns. Um, that maybe centennials are not necessarily terribly fond of, at least not in their original uh, form or structure. Um, But how is it that we can place these wonderful historic texts and tunes in the mouths of the young people coming along who will and are uh, taking the lead in creating, devising worship experiences. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just very concerned that we do that in a way that can be palatable and inspirational for the generations that are now taking the stage. So this, this idea of um, continuing to strengthen and revitalize uh, what we did in, in centuries earlier, that we continue to hold on to those traditions, um, to create, again, uh, the archive of music and scholarship, um, again, preserving the richness and the legacy of the Black church experience in music and worship. And then fourthly, we want to be able to acknowledge and uplift the contributions of past, present, and future Africana church musicians. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to quickly tell a quick story about one of the uh, resources that exists in in many pews, particularly in Africana church um, buildings, in sanctuaries, mm-hmm. this, the, the resources, Songs of Zion. Um, that, that particular resource was created back in the early 80s, uh, and it was created because the existing hymnal, and I let me pause, let me just put a, a, a comma right here because I've got to say happy birthday to Sam Young, who, <laughs> who is a young 96 today, but who was really instrumental in earlier years of making sure that we had a rich and vital hymnal in our pews. So thank you, Sam, for all of what you have done in the area of hymnology. We love you and we appreciate you so much. Um, And you have uh, put your stamp on what we are about to do in this institute. Uh, So know that we appreciate you for that. Um, But the the hymnal that back in the, the, the the hymnal that preceded our existing hymnal uh, had about five Songs, I will not say hymns because they were spirituals actually, that were the only pieces in the hymnal that were not Eurocentric. And so um, a group of us pastors and musicians came to Discipleship Ministries. Imagine that to say we can't find ourselves, all this group of about 13 of us. Um, can't find ourselves in the hymnal. The group was led by the late Reverend Dr. William B. McLean, formerly of Wesley Theological Seminary. I've got to give credit to his leadership, his amazing leadership 
even with hymnals prior to existing hymnal. Um, but we we came to Discipleship Ministries to say we, we can't find ourselves in this hymnal, and we really would like to create something uh, that really uh, sort of lifts up uh, the history uh, of our of our uh, culture, of our context. And so out of that conversation came the Songs of Zion. And that book is, uh, it's, it's more, um, I, th- I like to think of it as one of those rich uh, arch- pieces that will be archived and available to young people who are studying to do leadership in local churches. I think that that will be one of the rich resources in libraries and churches across the land that will assist uh, young people and uh, persons who are looking to be in leadership in local churches. Because in that book, it's divided into three sections. And in each section, we were careful to lay out a history of spirituals, a history of the development of hymns from Africana hymnologists, and a history, as much as it was at that time, about the development of contemporary music. It -hmm. was the first time that we actually had uh, people like Margaret DeRoe from the West Coast and people like Andre Crouch, also from the West Coast, but also people like Edwin Hawkins uh, and Walter Hawkins. Those those folks had not been found in our uh, pews, in, in the resources that we sang from. So Songs of Zion was one of the first uh, worship resources that included the contemporary artists. It, it set the standard, if you let me uh, say that. It was, I mean, um, it really, everything that developed after that was because of Songs of Zion. All the other um, books around um, Africana musics, um, hymnals that developed, like the 1989 hymnal and and following, um, look to Songs of Zion for what was included there to then put into their um, hymnals. Wow. So it was an amazing resource. Thank you for that. And continues to be. Thank you for yeah. that, Diana. Really, really appreciate that word. Um, you know, unless we have these kinds of conversations, we, we really don't know that to be the case. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So uh, going back to the Institute, um, so if someone wants to go to the Institute, what, what, how do they find it? Um, are you uh, dreaming of teams from churches coming? So what's the best way for people to get engaged in, into the Institute? So let me just say that back in uh, 2016, we started this particular concept and structure at Garrett Evangelical Seminary. And it was a three-day event that invited uh, pastors and musicians to to come and have conversations about what things are actually needed in local churches. This is, of course, pre-COVID, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we brought in uh, wonderful instructors, uh, both active and retired folks who are doing what folk do in local churches as leaders. We, we, we created classes so that the experts in these areas could be available to the novices in these areas. 
again, the, the idea is that we will be able to find places across the country and beyond uh, to hold these kinds of events where we invite pastors and their musicians and others who are leading in worship to be in conversation with those who are practitioners still and those who have been practitioners. Uh, we hope to, to have conversations with uh, local churches across the country to, to find out exactly what it is that they're needing in this space and time and, and to actually uh, find uh, local churches where we can actually gather uh, to talk about what worship is, is lacking in this 21st century, what worship is needing. And so uh, we will have um, a more active website, but right now um, the, the place, and, and I, I hope that we can um, put this on Discipleship Ministries website, you'll be able to find, find the, the particulars about the Institute on its website that I am trying to find as we speak. <laughs> I, I, will, I will just guide folk to, to the Discipleship Ministries website to find our website. I'm, I'm, I'm really totally forgetting at this point where uh, <laughs> to tell you to find it. That's so embarrassing. Well, we'll but put a link. We'll put a link with this podcast. I, I love you for that. Thank um, you so much. <laughs> I just, no worries, I just totally no lost it. But, I, but I will say that if if folk are interested in supporting the institute, <laughs> interesting, I would have this information. Uh, they can go to www.garrett.edu/giving. And, and if, if you want to know more about the Institute and its history, again, www.garrett.edu. And if you put in the um, Junius B. Dotson Institute, that will pull up for you any information that you are needing about uh, what we're doing and where we're doing it. Uh, we're hoping to do at least two major events each year and we're hoping to to move to various what what we now call as United Methodist jurisdictions. I don't know if that's going to change or not, uh, but we do uh, hope to move into different geographic locations uh, and make sure that annual conferences, local churches, uh, jurisdictions have uh, announcements, press releases about when the Institute will arrive in their location. That's exciting. It, it's exciting to hear that this is an organic thing. It's growing and changing. And so we kind of have to keep an eye out mm -hmm. for some of the resources that you described. And 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 uh, those are coming as a part of the conversation that you're having with local churches and with with worship leaders. And we're just so excited. We, <laughs> we miss you on the team, Cynthia. Yes. I, I, I do want to say that. <laughs> um, and, and it's odd to treat you as a guest <laughs> instead of one it's, of the It's team, odd but... sitting here as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. To be interviewed instead of interviewing and all that but sort I'll, of thing. I'll tell but... you what I'm very excited about. I'm excited that both you and Diana will be participating as faculty 
for the Institute uh, that you all will be hang hanging out with me Amen. in yeah. these various places and spaces. I'm so excited. We couldn't let you go. You know, we have to, we have to tag along. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not trying to do this without you all. I mean, we are sort of joined at the hip, aren't we? Uh, yeah. yeah. So. And, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited that the three of us really um, we demonstrate the and beyond. We demonstrate, mm -hmm. the three of us have demonstrated over these years, uh, what it really means to be in the beloved community, what it really looks like uh, to create the beloved community, uh, to create Koinonia, to create Ubuntu. We, we really have uh, worked hard uh, to make sure that we, we not only create resources, but we create the image uh, that we want people to see when, when I believe uh, that, that our hearts were really tied to what Jesus spoke to the mm. disciples about the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And so that whole kingdom building process, I'm hoping uh, we can continue to demonstrate within the Institute and make sure that folks see that it is, it really is, a, it's possible uh, to be, a, I'm going to say this word, I, I know we'll get pushback, so y'all handle it, okay? Um, but <laughs> to be a Pentecostal uh, endeavor, right? Um, Amen. And, and, and to make sure yes. that what we do uh, as, again, Levitical ministers in, in the area of uh, worship and music and liturgy, that we um, say to folk that really Jesus was serious about that thing of coming together from all tribes and all nations mm -hmm. and all places and all mm -hmm. spaces and all generations mm -hmm. and all cultures and all contexts. Jesus was serious about that thing, right? Amen. That's what, yes. and serious about it now, not not waiting for the someday no. to come. But let's live it I, out now. Let's claim that, it now. That's my yeah. that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, y'all. <laughs> you you have a beautiful vision, yes, and I and I know Derek. I can speak for you that we are so delighted to be enveloped in your vision for mm -hmm. this future, and um and I think you're your contagious spirit here is just going to help so many people across the world uh, reach what they want to in terms of worship and music and, and evangelism and, you know, all those wonderful words about reaching people and connecting them to God. Thank you so much for, for this. That is, that, that is certainly my prayer. And I covered your prayers. Um, my, my oldest brother, who is a, another very fine church musician, uh, has a mantra and whenever I, I was in a, a quandary about something he would always say to me you will know as you go uh, that's sort of that is sort of what I'm using <laughs> yeah. as I take each step toward the realization of this this wonderful enterprise called the Junius B. Dotson Institute for mm -hmm. Music and Worship in the black church and beyond. I, I, I don't really have the whole picture, um, but I tell you something's been rub rumbling in my belly for years. And I just keep mm -hmm. doing stuff that, that feels like I, uh, I'm downloading what it is that the Holy Spirit would have happen 
around Christian worship for this space and this time. I'm just sort of uh, listening and trying to be obedient uh, and trying to, to, to have the acute hearing in the spirit uh, and, and the vision uh, that's being downloaded across the land and to see if we can come together. And, and it, won't, it really won't happen unless we come together uh, to do it. And so Amen. these pockets that we will create, these pockets of didactic experiences that we want to create in different spaces and places, uh, we are expecting that something will grow, something will be born out of all of those experiences, and that God will be glorified across the land like never, ever Amen. before, irrespective of the, the disagreements <laughs> that church folk are having. You know, uh, I just... I just have to say it, the devil is a liar and there's no truth in the devil. We must, in fact, understand ourselves to have power and that power, we've been imbued with power, y'all. And that power does, I can't think of a, a way that that power rests in a, in a more poignant way than in worship and music. Come on. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it is really the basis for the ways in which we live our faith. And, and, and it's the one thing, the one place where difference is thrown out the window. And, when, and, and as Jesus said to the disciples, get there and figure out a way to be on one accord. <laughs> a song will do that in a New York minute, right? Amen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Amen. And it'll be a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to wrap up for today, and we're just so happy that Cynthia could share her vision with the, the wider church here. And, and uh, as we said, we'll put on the website links so that you can find more information about attending one of these events, and especially the launch event in Atlanta in August. Absolutely. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this has been helpful to you. Remember that you can find more information at our website at UMC Discipleship. Org. We want you to tell us what you think, so send us an email. Be in conversation with us. So until next time, we will be praying for and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. Bye, everyone. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.